the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, it's Matt Browning. Welcome back. Interview Fridays is at your doorstep. This is an exciting episode of the pod because I have with me um, really who's becoming one of my favorite, favorite people in the world. She's a fellow podcaster, um, getting quite famous in her own right. She has an incredible story and just genuinely one of the, the kindest people you're ever going to meet. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend, Amy Schuber. Amy has not only has a really awesome podcast that has over half a million downloads in a hundred different countries. Um, she's been featured in iTunes New and Noteworthy. She is a crushing it. She's had guests like John Lee Dumas, Jen Sincero. Sincero? Sincero. Sincero, right? I never know how to pronounce that, but the You Are a Badass best-selling book. Um, Jen's awesome. Uh, Dr. Joe Vitale, uh, Dr. Fire from The Secret, Mario Hemingway. So many people. She's interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, as well as has been an entrepreneur, and she's been coaching women successfully on building, growing, and sustaining a prosperous life, career, and business while staying grounded and connected. And Amy knows a thing or two about staying grounded and connected when stuff is going on. Uh, So we're going to get into all of that and more in this interview. Amy, welcome to the pod. How you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. I love being on a pod. It's, it's, it's a pod. It's a pod of awesomeness, I think so. I think so, too. I like it. Now, this is funny. So we should have been rolling tape for hours. We've been sitting here in the office in Costa Mesa, California for a couple hours, and then we finally are like, okay, we got to get these uh, these microphones turned on. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been talking all things uh, life and business and podcast and everything, but I want to start with you in the very beginning, if I could. So everyone's going to love you. Um, why do we love you so much? <laughs> How does one answer that question? That's exactly right. If you could see the smile, if you could see, she's, you have such a cool heart. Um, we were saying too, it was like, we met, I don't know how, pretty recently, like this year, didn't we? Earlier this year? Yeah, in Monterey. In, well, no. No, before that. Before that, no. At Steve's event, didn't we? No, we actually didn't meet at Steve's event. We met, I knew of you and heard of you at Steve's event, but I didn't actually, we didn't actually meet. You knew of me. I knew of you. I saw your name on wherever. And then um, we met in Monterey at Michael's event. So this was, this is so crazy. So it feels like I've known you for at least four or five years and maybe since high school. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when we met, it was just this kindred spirit, this like, you're like a sister and like you're, you're here and I feel like I've known you forever. But then I realized I don't actually know anything about your story. We just joke and have a good time when we were at conferences together. So I'm excited to dive in and find out a little bit. So where did you grow up? You're in Orange County right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, right. Which and is this is why, why we're doing this right now. Yeah, and this is why I feel like we feel like we've known each other for a long time. I grew up in Orange County, so I grew up in Anaheim Hills, and I feel like you we I, we talked a little bit about where you were from, and we were basically like growing up next to each other. Like I one think. high school away. One I high grew school up in away. Orange. Yeah, yeah. We were like one high school away. And I feel like that's where our kindred spirit comes from. Because you do feel like my brother, even from the first moment we met and went into like deep conversation right away. There's an Orange County vibe that people who grew up here and haven't moved here, there's something, I don't know, there's something special about that. And you remind me of a lot of people that I would know that are, that yeah, are here. Yeah. So you grew up here, um, mom, dad, siblings. Yeah. What's what's family like as you're growing up in uh, Anaheim Hills? Uh, yeah, I grew up with my mom and dad and my sister, an older sister who um, wasn't always very nice to me. But, How you much know, older? I love her. Two and a half years older. Oh, so. the perfect age to... 
to be too cool for a little <laughs> sister. <laughs> but then she got cool in high school. She was pretty cool. But then as soon as she graduated from high school, I was too cool. She was too cool for me. So, but I love her. We're but it good. was just the two of you. It was just the two of us. And um, my whole family is from Southern California, from, um, you know, the L.A. area. So my whole family was around growing up with all of them, which was really amazing. And then I went away to school. I went away to Arizona State. And then uh, I, after college, I moved to San Francisco. I was like one of the brave souls to leave the Southern California area with my family. What brought you to San Francisco? What was the, was it just something you wanted or was there a job or? Actually, I graduated from college and just got a job in Orange County, as one does, right? They go back home. That's when everyone goes back home. (laughs) So I did that. And then um, a few of my girlfriends graduated in December, a little bit later, a little after me. And one of them got a job in San Francisco. And she said, I'm moving to San Francisco. You should come. And I said, okay. Because I just had a silly job. You know, it wasn't like life changing or anything. And I was able to transfer with my job to San Francisco. So I said, yeah. And it was the best thing I did because, you know, you get that independence in your 20s. Outside of going away to college was a really good idea. And then moving away to San Francisco and learning and being in a city like that, coming from Orange County and not even really going to L.A. much as a kid. You know, being in the city life of San Francisco was pretty awesome. And yes. so, so if if you're not from where we are and you're listening to this, because we are in 75 countries now at this point, not oh. as many as, as Amy Schuber, <laughs> but but we're getting there. So if you are listening, you're one of my listeners in Kazakhstan or um, you're in China or you're in New Zealand or uh, shout out, uh, shout out to our Welsh listeners. Awesome. Just had it. Just had someone reach out from Wales. Super excited. They're actually joining one of our NLP programs. So that's kind of fun. Oh, so um, cool. Wherever you are, if you don't know Orange County, Orange County is this suburbia place that we don't have a downtown or like a central business district. So every major city has this. Yeah. L.A. has a downtown. San Diego has a downtown. San Francisco has a downtown. But Orange County, it's it's weird. It's like we have Irvine that's kind of a wannabe downtown. And then we have Anaheim, which is a wannabe downtown. But it's it's just it's totally different. So what did you what did you go working for? What, what was what did you go to school for? What was, what was the concept there? <laughs> going away to school. Um, I, you know, good question. I, it's funny. Everything I went to school for is coming back around now, but it's not kind of what I did in between. You know, I was liberal arts. I couldn't decide. <laughs> liberal arts. <laughs> like I a, love it. Like a Libra. Li- liberal arts. I couldn't decide. I took a little bit of everything. And then at the end, I, I landed in communications. Libra arts. <laughs> Libra arts. <laughs> so I landed in communications and took all those classes, public speaking, which was a nightmare for me in college. It sort of was the worst experience ever. And I had to do a whole bunch of presentations and a whole bunch of different communication classes. Uh, so it wasn't the best choice for me because it, it wasn't comfortable for me to be in, so in front. A, a, as a kid, between you and your sister, who was the more like outward, like spotlight kind of person? My sister, for your sure. Your sister. Yeah. And then, yeah. But you went and did public speaking courses, communications. Was that just a default thing or did you think, you know what, I could do something with this? Was there a dream attached to it or was it a... Mm. I'm not clear on what it's going to look like in the future, but this makes sense. Yeah, no dreams were attached to it. I think it was, I, I thought, I sort of had an idea that I might go into advertising after college because it sounded cool and seemed cool. And I think someone I knew was going to do that. But honestly, I had no ideas about what I was going to do after college. And it was like, I think it was one of those things where I had enough credits to, if I was a, becoming a communications major, I could graduate within four years. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of those things like, okay, I'll do that. I mean, it was not, I wasn't like, one of my 
roommates in college, she was a chemistry major. So that's really specific, right? So she was always in science classes and everything and going off to do who knows what with that. And I think I was trying to keep it general because I'm kind of a generalist that way, I guess. I don't know. But it serves me now. But when it's funny, now that I'm up in front of people, public speaking was my worst class. I mean, I... Really? Oh my gosh, I hated it. I was mortified. And, and I had an experience in class where we had to do a speech in five minutes you know so you practice and you time it and you try to you know get it in the five minutes and and at five minutes and I practiced and practiced and then I when I get nervous I speak really fast so I got up in front did my speech and it was like two minutes and 30 seconds because I talked so fast because I couldn't control myself Uh and the professor just looked at me and said okay and now you're going to stand there for the rest of the time and I had nothing to say. Oh, wow. Boom. Like, talk about, like, I'm never doing this again. Uh, it ruined me for a really long time because I was so nervous. And then everyone was like, oh, no, I don't want to be like her. It stuck in front of the class. It was awful. It kind of ruined me because it, it felt like I couldn't be myself. And I was so nervous. And I didn't know how to. They didn't train you in that class how to get over your nerves. So it stayed with me. I mean, it still sticks with me how mortifying that was. Wow. I can see it in your face. Like you're breathing as you're remembering that. Yeah. We, I, I have moments like that. Yeah. I look back and go, oh, never again. Yeah. Never again. Yeah. And thank God that we have we have outside alternative education now, mm-hmm. you know, for for public speaking classes or, yeah. or, you know, obviously, you know, we have seminars and, and workshops and, and it's just a different approach. Yeah. And like more like a full body, like holistic approach to the person yeah, doing things. Exactly. So you've always got, you've gotten over the nerves. I mean, I've seen you on stage before. <laughs> <laughs> I still you, get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. But you do quite well with it. Yeah. But not like that, you know, communications class in college, no. but yeah. So what, when you got into, I guess, corporate America, because I want to get to that part of your story, because yeah. you left corporate America. But when you went into corporate America, what did you go into? Did you go into communications or something uh, different? Well, so I went to, so I moved to San Francisco and I started working. I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, as people do right out of college. Yeah. And it was a great management training program, but a little crazy. And then I got a job at Levi Strauss at oh. their headquarters in, in San Francisco. So it was kind of ideal because it was fun. I had plaza hours, which means you get off at 1245 on Fridays. It was awesome. So, and it was, you know, it was right before things started changing for the company. Uh, and I was in their um, customer relations department and I started working in some communication aspect there. And then I left there and uh, went to the dot-com time. So everyone left Levi's. Dot-com time, okay. Dot-com time. And so I worked for a dot-com that didn't last but a few months. <laughs> Got but they were going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And, and actually, the technology that's happening now was what they were doing then, but people weren't ready for it, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so like a multi-cart wallet kind oh, of a thing. Oh, interesting. Back then, though. So this was a long time ago. And so I had the experience of being in a dot bomb, which was super fun. Like, walked in, <laughs> everybody gathers. I don't think I've heard that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I, always, I always hear the dot-com crash. I never heard anyone say the dot-bomb. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> the dot-bomb. Uh, so what ha- So you, you walk in? We walk in. You know, we have a, a company meeting. It's a Friday. I'm excited because I'm leaving for Palm Springs that afternoon. I was leaving early because I was getting picked up by my friends. You probably still got to leave early. I did, actually. <laughs> and uh, oh, they, no. we had a company meeting, and they were like, yeah, bad news. We didn't get funding. We're closing today. And so sorry, we can't pay you either. And it was right at that two-week mark of getting paid, right? It might have been the 15th or the 1st. 
and people were freaking out. And I thought, wow, this is a kind of a cool experience. This is happening all around us, and I'm I'm experiencing it for myself. So we all just what went a to our great desk. Attitude. Yeah. When I was going to Palm Springs with my girlfriends. So um, I think it was for a bachelorette weekend. And um, we all just went to our desk and took our laptops with us because they said, take your laptops. You can return them in a week or so, you know. And great. And so we all just, there were some people falling apart. And I think because I had like a fun weekend ahead of me, I kind of didn't care. It was weird now that I think about it. And I remember standing out front and my friends picked me up and they're like, what are you doing? Why do you have your computer with you? We're going out of town. And I was like, you guys won't believe it. I just got laid off. And they were like, what? So I was the joke of the weekend, you know, because I had just gotten laid off and my friends are kind of mean like that. But um, yeah, so I experienced that. And then that led me to a media agency, actually. So my next job was hustling, you know, temp work, because I literally came back from a fun weekend away and woke up and was like, okay, I have no job. So you went right into, what do I do next? What do I do next? And so I temped, because I was like, what can I do right now? And everyone was looking for jobs in the city at that time. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a really good time to be looking for work. And so I started contracting with a company that a friend, you know, told me about. And it was a media agency. And so I started working for them. And so that was really interesting, but it was all high-tech stuff. And it was not interesting to me at all. You know, like the, what we were doing was great, the event strategy and et cetera. But I was working and I had a really great resume of clients, but I hated it. And so that led me to, like, the misery of the corporate world and hating my job, having the Monday blues every Sunday night and not wanting to go to work. Does anybody relate to having the Monday blues every Sunday night? You dread, you know, it's like, I got the two days and now I dread Monday morning, I got to start all over again. Five days in a row. So you're starting to really, like, did you like any part of the content, like some of the media piece or the communications piece where you... Like during this whole time, were you ever thinking, gosh, I love this, but I hate the structure? Or was it just like, was it more of a feeling? And I don't want to put words in your mouth. Was it more of a feeling of like kind of being lost in like, what exactly do I want to do? Or was it like, I do like this, but not in this way? There are a couple of things going on. Part of it was I didn't love the work because it was a lot of research and that's not really what I'm good at. I mean, I can do it, but it's not something, it's not my favorite thing. And also being overlooked for opportunities within the company. Uh, so I wasn't being valued. And other people getting promoted for my work, which was really frustrating. And uh, also not loving the, the content of the topic, right? It was like, it was when we were doing voice over IP before it was Skype. Before we knew what it was, it was like I was learning what voice over IP was before it was actually a thing. You're trying to explain to people, it's like the telephone, right? but on the internet. Yeah, and, and I no didn't one understands. Even, and I didn't even know what it meant, and I didn't care. So I was working with like Microsoft and Cisco and Intel and HP, and I didn't understand any of the technology. And I'm not a techie that way. And so it was kind of lost on me, so that wasn't interesting to me. So it was a combo deal, really. And it was really, I think, at the end of the day, it was them not valuing me. And feeling miserable about that, you know, Um, and trying to be heard, but not being heard. And I'm also an entrepreneur at heart. And at the time, I didn't know it. But I think that's what I was struggling with. I can say that now because I look back and I'm like, oh, but I also come from a family of entrepreneurs. Duh. You do. Ah. So who was the entrepreneur in your family? Uh, My grandfather, my dad, my uncle, my mom, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. So I grew up with this notion. So when I went away to college, it was it was a really big thing for me to go away to college because most of my family hadn't. And also my dad always just said get a job. 
So when I was graduating college, it, why, why do you think your dad said get a job if everyone's not? Did he not want you to suffer with the the ups and downs and the risk? I think risk? so. I think so. I don't think he was thinking of it that way, but I think he was thinking of the security. Hmm. Like, go get a job. You have an education that equals a really good job. Go corporate. And it wasn't what he said, but I think it subtly was the security of not having to do it yourself. Even though my dad made a great living. And my dad's an artist. He's a jeweler. He's a manufacturing jeweler. I mean, there's not many of those around anymore. And my grandfather was that. And my uncle was too. So so he, had, your dad had no designs, <laughs> pun unintended, <laughs> for you to get into the jewelry business with him. No. It wasn't you're going to take over the store or no. that kind of... No. Nor did I want to either. What about your sister? She inadvertently got involved in my dad's business. <laughs> but And so she worked for him for about 20 years until he retired. But I was never, that would never interest me. Like that wasn't even considered to be a part of my dad's business. I mean, even though he comes from family business. So it's kind of interesting. And this all came to fruition when I was so miserable. I came home for my niece's birthday and I was crying. I remember specifically crying on the sofa, being so miserable. What am I going to do about my life and my job? And I had been looking for other work in, mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And I just couldn't find it. Like all these jobs I thought I wanted, I was just not getting them. And my dad just looked at me and he said, just quit. Uh, what? I thought, really? I can just quit? Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Just right? quit. You can do something tomorrow. Do something else. Just do something else. Right. And I kind of, it was seemed so heavy to me at the time. But I was also doing a lot of personal development. I had, a, I'd hired a life coach. I was taking a career class. One of those really structured career classes where you take all the, you know, personality tests. And that went on for six weeks. Um, and it was funny because at the end of it, I quit my job. The very last night of the career class, I quit. And at the beginning, and there's so, so much foreshadowing here. At the beginning of the class, she had said, you guys are, things are going to change for you within the next six weeks. I know you don't believe me now, but things might change because you've put something in motion just by being here. Wow. And within that six weeks, the week before the last week I was home and my dad said, just quit. And I said, okay, I'm going to look at my finances, my savings, see what I can do. And, and my friends had changed in the city as well. Everyone had been getting married and moving and I was sort of alone in San Francisco. And so it was a lot of a combination of things. And I went back and I just decided I'm going to quit my job. And I did. And it happened to be the night of my last class. So I went running into that class and I'm like, you guys won't believe what I just did. And I, I told them and this one guy was shocked. He's like, I can't believe you just quit your, your great job. And then another one, woman walked in and she had quit her job too. And he was even more freaked out, this guy. But it really was the thing that launched me into my entrepreneurship journey. And that's when I moved back to Southern California. So what was the first business in entrepreneurship? Did you, I, I know you, I, I want to talk about the Ladies Who Launch. Yeah. Um, the running a chapter organization program. I yeah. want to talk about your podcast. What was the very first thing you did in the entrepreneur world for you? How did you transition from I'm done and now I'm going to do my own thing? Yeah. So one of the things I did was start exploring because I really didn't know. I'm like, am I an entrepreneur really? Am I creative like my family? Which I am. I just not as creative or I judge myself because I was comparing myself. Ooh. So I started exploring. I took an interior design course. So I took an eight-week course doing interior design. Maybe I'll be good at that. 
maybe I'll start a party business. I mean, I truly just started exploring. And so one of the things I did was join this incubator and it was called Ladies Who Launch. It was in LA and it was for entrepreneurs. And you put your idea in the week, the four week incubator and everyone helps you figure it out. And I literally put an idea in that I had and it was a product-based business, a baby blanket business. Uh, and I launched it from that incubator. And in the four weeks, the last day of the class, the woman running it looked at me and said, do you want to run this in Orange County? And just so you the know. The ladies who launch as a chapter. Yeah. And just so you know, Los Angeles and Orange County, it's about an hour, two hours traffic. It's not like easy to go back and forth all the time. Right. And so, you it's know. A commute, a it's a commute, a big commute. It's a big commute. And so the community in Orange County didn't have one. And she asked if I would launch it. And I said, yes, without knowing what that meant. And so, and that really kicked down the door for me to discover coaching entrepreneurship. Uh, Back to speaking again, because you're leading a chapter group, so that means you're yes. up in front of everybody every month. Yeah, so yeah. there were the weekly, there was the four-week uh, facilitating the workshop, and then there was the monthly meetings I had, because I was building a community. And there were so many different things involved in that. And as I was holding space for these women each week and seeing what they were going through, that's where I discovered where I can hold space, my listening skills, my business strategy from my past was coming into play, my connection. I'm a really good connector with people. And, you are. And it just, up until then, it was just social, right? But it happened in business too. But what's funny was I never went to networking stuff at any of my previous jobs. Why? I hated my job and I wasn't committed to them. So why would I do that? I didn't spend my extra time spending time for work because it wasn't something I was really passionate about. But I started that with entrepreneurship. So it was interesting because all these skills that I had started showing up in my strengths um, in Ladies Who Launch, running those that group, which was really interesting. And so that's where I discovered, oh, this is what I'm really good at. And I'm going to continue this. And that's where I started my business. So let me back up just a second is when you talked about researching mm -hmm. and, and discovering and, and just getting like playing and, f and getting things figured out, mm -hmm. do you recommend if someone says, I, I want to get out of my job or like, you know, you have this dream of really doing something, would you recommend before launching into what you think is what you want to do to take the time to experiment and research and look around? And because I love when you said, what was it, an eight week interior design class? Yeah. Like, Let me take that. It sounds like it could be really cool. Yeah. And at the end of it, I may or may not like it. Yeah. Maybe you found like my, my wife, Lola, she she went to school for interior design uh -huh. and she loves and she still to this day loves like making the inside of something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. like our living room walls, all these, you know, she loves laying things out. But what she found is maybe in the industry was she was doing commercial and hotels and it was mostly ordering fabric and it was measurements and it was math and it was it was just a lot of. It wasn't the same creativity because right. it wasn't her deal. Right. And so it's just interesting where it's like you can get an idea in your head that this is what I want and this will be so much fun. But then do I really want to do it once I get into it? Yeah, I would absolutely say explore and take a class or interview people that do what you want to do because it's not what you think. Right. And be creative about it. Get creative about what you used to like or think. Just go for it. I would say do that because I thought, oh, maybe I'm a good, maybe I'll be good at interior design. I was really good at the class, but I also realized all that math and all this other stuff about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's not my favorite part. <laughs> Same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, that might not be the career that I'm going to go for. But 
I, I explored it. And it was no big deal, right? Eight weeks is not that big of a commitment. And I, I think that's important that you said that too. It's like, hey, it's not that big of a deal to check it out. Yeah. Because I think some of us like will feel like, I don't want to waste. Right. Right. And what if I do this and then it doesn't work out? Or worse, I did this and now I have to use it. Otherwise, it is a waste. Yeah. And it's not a waste. It's a use if you learn what you don't want to do. Right. Would you say there's any, how much is too much research mess? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can also get caught in a cycle. And I don't know that you did that or, or I don't know if you would say that you did or not. But I know, again, I'm just thinking of, of, of students and different people I've known over the years yeah. might be relating as they listen to this, that it's like, okay, cool. I want to, I want to research and I want to explore some things, but I've been exploring for four and a half years. Right. How much is too much exploring? Well, I think you have, to, you? you have to be honest with yourself. Are you, what are you exploring for? Like, what's the reason behind it? You know, you're just doing some, you know, research to figure out if that's for you. Okay, great. And give yourself a deadline. You know, like if you're putting it out there with real intention, like I'm really looking for a new career and I want to see if this is it. Who could I talk to? Where could I go? What can I explore? What podcast can I listen to? Because there's always a podcast that you can listen to about something. You know, it's like give yourself a timeline with it. And if if it is a part of like looking for a job or a new career or starting a business, do the things that matter in that path. You know, and and some of them might be off the beaten path. Like interior design was really crazy for me. A lot of people were like, what are you doing? But it was just a it was a night class, actually. So it wasn't a big deal. And during the day I was doing these other things. I also had gone to um, I was going to the incubator program and then that opened up for me. So what happens is you you meet people and then other opportunities show themselves. And I would I think you can go down that path. But I think you have to have intention around it. Like I'm doing this with the intention of finding a new job finding something that's going to feed me creatively and maybe find that next step for yourself. You have to have a reason around it. That's really good. So go in with the intention of what you're wanting to get out of that, whether it's I, I want to find a new job that I'm passionate about. I want to discover my talents and skills. I w- something that you're doing. Yeah. So that way you're not just kind of floating around. Yeah exploring one thing after another that yeah. makes really good sense because believe me i'd still be exploring if that was the case because i'm a curious <laughs> curious person and i would still be doing all these different things because i like to be creative and find things to do so that <laughs> i'd still be exploring i love that well i was gonna say if you're coming in part way through you probably wouldn't because you saw this episode but just in case uh if you're on the radio we're talking with amy schuber you can find her at amyschuber.com and she has a podcast called inspired conversations you can find that at a inspiredconversations.net correct yes inspiredconversations.net and you can follow amy on all things social media at amy schuber that's s-c-h-u-b-e-r at facebook instagram twitter and all the rest of those cool things amy um this has been a lot of fun so far and we're not anywhere near finished finished yet but i want to jump into i want to kind of transition into this next space which is the blanket (laughs) you said you launched you, you four weeks with the ladies who launch you decided to launch a blanket business first off what happened with a blanket business did you turn it into something did you sell a blanket tell me <laughs> tell me the blanket story and then i want to ask you about how you transitioned into the podcast okay so i started a business called pickle princess 
It was verb cloths and blankets, and they were made out of like uh, vintage materials that I had collected from different flea markets. So wow. I had this idea to do this, and I thought, I don't know, is there a market for this? However, I was doing it all myself. I was sewing them all, and this was part of my sew my exploration, right? You know, you also sewing. learned about sewing. Yeah, I learned about sewing, and I just loved going to flea markets, and I had collected these blankets with this intention, maybe to make them for my friends, or I don't know, and these burp cloths. So I started making them, and actually through the group, there were some like boutiques and things, and everyone was like, yeah, it's a great idea. So I did it for a little while, and I did it until I got to the point where I needed to invest more money in it and hire help and outsource. And so when I got to the place where I needed to outsource it, I had a website, I had all that. When I got to the place where I needed to outsource everything, I just was got really serious with myself. Like, is this really what you want to do? You're going to be manufacturing and you're starting a baby line, basically. Basically. And I was like, no, this is not what I want to do. So you did not like so make a pitch for Shark Tank. I did not make a pitch for Shark Tank. <laughs> and I just decided- I can, to, I can see that on there. It's like, it's Pickle Princess. Right? So I just stopped doing it. I just made a decision. And I was, at the same time, I was also running the women's group in Orange County. And that was gaining a lot of momentum. And I was really aware that that is where my genius was. And I was, you know, pushing up against some of my stuff, new stuff. And so I just decided to do that instead. So, yeah, I, I just decided to stop. But I did it for a couple years. And I had a pretty good business. And it was interesting. It was word of mouth. It was friends. At that time, everybody I knew was having babies. So it was kind of easy, actually. It was super easy. And it was super cute. So what's – if you could distill it to a lesson, what's the lesson you got from Pickle Princess baby business? Oh, my gosh. There was a lesson I got – well – I think you have to follow your heart. If your heart's not in it, you probably shouldn't continue doing it or you should sell it or you should just call it, right? My heart wasn't in it, so I can't imagine if it went really big, how big it would have gotten because my heart wasn't in it. Um, it wasn't to a point, and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not really caring how to make this bigger. And other people have really big ideas about where they want to take their business. So, you know, learning if your heart's not in it, don't really go there. Also, I learned a lot about you know, the value of what you're creating. I was creating something one of a kind and unique. And I was at a boutique one time and I was in a fancy area in Los Angeles and my prices were too low. Nobody would buy it. Wow. They're like, I don't want this cheap secondhand, well, whatever. Well, it was, it was remade. So it was beautiful because yeah. it was like fresh and new based on, you know, vintage. But there was a moment where the person standing next to me who was also in the women's group said to me, Amy, you're not charging enough. These people, if it's not $400, they're not even going to care. And I was selling them for like $75. She said, you wow. Need, yeah. She said, you need to charge $400. The next person that walks by and asks you how much, you need to say $400. And I almost like fell over. I was like, no way. And she's like, seriously. And this is for a blanket or a bib or a combo? It was a blanket. I, maybe I threw in some burps for <laughs> for good measure. So she was just, just practice the value. Just, just practice owning it. See what happens. And guess what happened? Somebody bought it. So someone walked by. Someone walked $400. by. Four hundred dollars. They asked me, and the, the two women were standing on both sides of me, so they were making sure I was saying four hundred dollars. So I eked out four hundred dollars, and the woman looked at it a little longer. She's like, "Great, I'll take it." Oh my god! So I, the huge lesson I learned with that was just valuing what you're creating and where you are, you know, where, who you're selling to, your audience, like all that stuff matters. And I hadn't really thought about it that way until that exact moment when they were like, you're in the wrong market to be selling something for less than $100. They don't care. They need 
it needs to be a high ticket item for them to value it. Oh, that's so good. Right? I, I say that so often to like, you know, to my coaches. Yeah. Where, you know, so I want to be an executive coach. Well, who do you want to sell to? Right. And in their mind, they they were trying to sell to their friends. Right. And people who are struggling entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. not really entrepreneurs, right? Solo, right. not making any money. Right. And they're like, well, $300 an hour, $100 an hour. But then they want to sell to a corporation. It's yeah. like, listen, you have to price yourself at 30 grand minimum. You know, f- you know, for the year, for six months, because yeah. the people that are running at sea level organizations, they're not. You're not in. You can't position. They're not going to look at Walmart for coaching. Right. They're going to look in in the right store. Right. So you got to position yourself in the right store for the right audience. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Love so that. That was a huge lesson I got out of that. So from from the baby bib, did you? Well, I guess it's not really the the baby blanket business, um, but you're doing ladies who launch. You're running the chapter. You're you're doing this community organization. Did the podcast launch out of that, or where did the idea for your inspired conversations come from? Yeah, so uh, eventually uh, we left ladies who launch, and the woman I was like partnering with, she started her own company, um, and and at that point she wanted me to go with her, and I had been running someone else's business basically through that women's group for so long I wanted to go out on my own. At that time I launched into my own business and just went on my own. And so during that time, a, few, a couple of years later, uh, someone, one of my coaches at the time said, you should do a tele-summit, and you should interview people. You like to talk to people. You're curious. You should interview people. Do a telesummit. It's perfect for you. So what's a telesummit for, so, for those of us who have never heard of a telesummit? So a telesummit, you can gather people together online. And this was when telesummits were kind of the only option, right? Yeah, so tele meaning telephone. Telephone. You call, you, you call into a conference line. Yeah. And sometimes you can watch it online. Now it's more likely you're going to watch it online. It was pre-webinar, basically. Right. And so you could gather together various people and you would have different interviews or conversations with them and you would do this for your business it was a platform to maybe you know build your list connect with people you know attract people to what you're up to and doing and it's like this special event so I did it and I had some amazing interviews with some amazing people like Marcy Shymoff and Dr. Sue Mortar it was amazing I asked some people who were pretty well known and they said yes and then after you do this telesummit you know I was like now what because it just sort of is a one-time thing and it falls. And then it stops. And it stops. And a friend of mine said, you should start a podcast. And I said, what's a podcast? And, and this was how long ago? This or was, what year? This was four years ago. So 2014. 2014. So yeah. I always like, so in podca- podcast years are like dog years. So, <laughs> so 2014, that's like doing a pod. That's like starting your own business like 28 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, people who have had a podcast four years, five years at this point, it's a, I mean, you're ancient. It's weird. In podcasting, right? Yeah. Because things have taken off so much in the last couple of years. Oh, my gosh. Platforms like, and, and phones have shifted and CarPlay and just everything. Everything has shifted so much. So it was probably five years ago that the conversation happened. And then I said yes and went, moved into it in 2014 and start, and actually launched it in you 2014. Launched. So w- what's, uh, what's the concept behind Inspire Conversations? I feel like it's obvious. But I'd love to. <laughs> it's probably about inspired conversations. But I, I'd, I'd love to hear your kind of what's your heart for it? Why? Why do we listen to that? Um, what kind of 
Yeah, let's start with that. Okay. So Inspired Conversations started out of my own curiosity to talk to different people about different things that they're doing and all with the vein to help us be better people, help us live our best lives, help us be better at work, help us be better in business. And because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a multi-layered person, right? I'm not just one dimensional and I don't want to talk about one thing. Do I learn about marketing and advertising and strategy? Yes, because I'm an entrepreneur. I need to know all that stuff for business, right? Do I want to know about health and well-being and all these things for my own personal experience in life and how I, maybe I show up at work? Yes, absolutely. So I started Inspire Conversations, something to like spark our hearts and ignite our soul that came to me in the beginning because I really just want people to up-level themselves. And there's all these amazing people doing some really amazing things in the world that can help us you know, discover something about ourselves. And part of the work I do with people is that self-discovery. And it always happens in business. It always happens in personal life, relationships. And so I'm curious and I want to talk to people doing these amazing things. And so I thought, well, what if I record them and let people listen in? <laughs> what if I record them? <laughs> and so, then it's a podcast. You know what I love too, like especially about you and the people like you, which is you have a desire to – like to be around the people anyway. You, yeah. you know, I and those are some of the best things. Like I genuinely, as much as I've loved getting to know you, I've realized I don't know you well enough yet. And I just want to know you more. Oh. So what a great idea. Come on the podcast. I'll get to know you more. And then so does all of my friends. Right. <laughs> Everyone else gets to know that too. Right. So uh, you've had, uh, what what are some of the the successes or the, the wins that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened um, with the podcast? Anything like, Anything shock you? Anything that you weren't kind of expecting to like be so easy or kind of blow up so big? I never expected to do it this long, to be honest. Really? But I am someone who commits to something. Once I start something, I like see it for the long haul. I also didn't know that it was going to be a personal development class for me. Be for you. For me personally. So I think I'm doing this for everyone. Like, oh, I'm going to interview Matt. He has all these amazing things to say and share and connect with people. And always it shows up in the exact time that I need to hear the message that the person has. I mean, there's been people booked on my booked for six months out. And then I, you know, wake up, I've had some weird thing happen the day before. And I'm looking at my calendar. I'm like, oh, of course, I'm talking to someone about miracles today. Right. And it's interesting. It always feeds back to my life. And sometimes I've had a conversation and I thought, oh, that was just for me because of exactly what I'm going through today, this very moment. And I realize I'm not the only one. If I need this, other people must need it too. And that I never, no one ever said that about podcasting or who you're going to talk to or the journey. Like no one ever told me how it impacted them. So that was surprising to me. And it still continues to surprise me. Now I do my interviews on the same day and they can be back to back to back. So I might do five or six in a row and they could be about all different topics, but the theme is the same. And it's so weird. You know, I could be talking about business in the morning, wellness in the afternoon, but there's a theme. And so to me, it's like this collective conversation that's going on in the world. And I get to witness that. Wow. And it's cool. I love that. Yeah. It's funny to see those threads, right? Yeah. Those, those common threads yeah. through what we're doing. And today is just like that. So just if you're if you're listening, we haven't told the story yet, but because Amy's local and we also have a friend, uh, Debbie, uh, who's, how do you pronounce Debbie's last name? I know. <laughs> Debbie Adea. Adea. See, I... 
I'm so I almost called you the other Amy. The, the, <laughs> we're not going to mention who that is. It's no comedian you care about, but Amy Schuber and Debbie Adea. Yes. Right. That's yes. the pronunciation. So Debbie's going to come up from Oceanside today yeah. to our podcast studio in Orange County. You came down from Anaheim Hills to Costa Mesa. And we're just going to do, we're all doing each other's shows all in one day and having lunch and hanging out together. So it's it's pretty cool to see this this podcast community growing as well. Yeah. Do you feel like, like four years ago, was there a community? Do you feel like you were kind of on your own doing this? Or did you feel like, were you a front runner and you saw people coming up? What, what was What was from the business side as a podcaster, I want to talk as we kind of come to the twilight of our interview because <laughs> it is coming. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the podcasting world. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So for your for Inspire Conversations, what was it like four years ago for you? Four years ago for me, I learned online about it. It's something that anybody can figure out and do. And it's even easier now. But I joined a group and was in the Facebook group. Facebook group and I that was my connection to podcasting and a friend of mine said oh there's somebody in Newport Beach actually who has a podcast you should meet her so she and I met offline but we were in the same group other than that I always felt totally isolated honestly like I and I had made this commitment like I said I was going to do it and then I did all my interviews I did 44 interviews before I launched so I I did that wow I did that. that is, you hear that, people? That's commitment. 44 yeah. interviews before you even launched. Because I didn't want to be that person that did it and then stopped doing it because it was too hard or I didn't know what I was getting into. So I did all those interviews knowing that I was going to be going on for a little while. So that made me keep doing it. And I think that was kind of a secret thing I did. Some people did less than that. Some people did more than that. But that was just That's incredible. what I did. So, I mean, you basically had almost a year's worth of content before yeah. you even launched. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what you ran into, no excuse. Right. They, yeah, you'll always be ahead. There was an interview in the can. I had to release it, right? Wow. So um, I did it in isolation. And it actually, it wasn't so great because I would go online for feedback. And a few times I was criticized. And I didn't know those people. And they didn't know me. So it didn't feel so good. And then I backed out of that group a little bit because I was like, that's not safe. Wow. And it wasn't until recently going to you know Steve's event and connecting with people live and in person that I've really found the community of podcasters live and in person that really are supportive so it's been you know it's been it was three you've, years you've been going at it pretty much alone yeah alone wow. and you know connecting with people the greatest thing that it gave me was this leverage to meet people and say hey you're so interesting can I interview you? I'm a podcaster. And people say yes that way. So it gave me this license to approach people in a new way. And it yeah. gave me this credibility that I didn't realize I needed. I'd been to so many events, but never would I approach the stage and say, hey, Matt, that was a great presentation. I'd love to talk to you just because I want to. Right. Can but, we can we have coffee? Right. You would never I would have never done that before prior to having a podcast. Now that I've had a podcast, I always approach the stage and if I'm interested and say, can we talk? I'd love to interview you. It just gives you this license and that connection and rapport you build with people was really cool. But the community changed. So I don't know why it's changed for me. And connecting with people like you and being able to know you and become friends and have this kind of support is pretty amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah. So a minute ago, you talked about getting criticism online. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about that if we could. Sure. So I, it's hard for me to imagine somebody criticizing you. I know. Right? <laughs> but if I get to speak for me, um, I know I've been criticized online. And, you know, 
I, like I know the the logic behind it, which is, hey, if you're not getting criticized, you're not really out there, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah. I still feel like a little kid again, being you know made fun of at school. I don't like it. Still doesn't feel good, <laughs> right? No matter what. No matter what, man. I remember one time I've shared this in, in our masterminds, but I don't think I, I told you I had. One of the first times I went on like actual FM radio uh, up in LA, the one I'm going to be doing tomorrow, uh-huh. I went on and it's like crushed it. Had a great time. Listeners loved it. We did a fun drive for donations. So, I mean, hundreds of people sent in donations for the, the radio station. So big support. We raised $104,000 for the station that one day. And wow. I got to meet a ton of new people and they came to my workshop and it was like, everything was great. I got one email. <laughs> Someone was so mad at me, they went and found me online. They went to my website, they found the contact form, they filled it out, and it was like this, basically, you need to die, you're the worst (gasps) human in the world, your son should be taken from you. What? It was intense. And I remember reading that on my phone, and I'm like, huh. And I had these two combating thoughts, and I wanna get your opinion on this type of thing. The one thought was, huh, I don't like it when people hate me. Yeah. But then the other thought, and probably a little stronger, was, yay, like I finally made it because I'd never gotten hate mail before. (laughs) Because what happens is like, so when I'm live and I can interact with people, they get my heart, right? Right. Just like with you. And I'm in a room, give me five, 10 minutes, everyone's gonna know who I really am and and everyone likes me. But when I just show up on media somewhere, then people get this weird, oh, yes, no, thing. How do you, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have in the media. How do you personally, how do you deal with it? Do you compartmentalize? Do you reframe it? Do you do some process with breathing and meditation? Or do you just shrug it off? Or do you cry every night? I don't, what do you do? <laughs> I don't cry every night anymore. No. Well, I'm going to say, and you probably don't get anywhere near, well, but maybe you do get criticism. I'm sure we all do if we're out in the limelight. What's your story with criticism and how do you deal with it? Well, I think criticism is hard and it does it impact and does it sting? Absolutely. But I think um, this far into it and knowing how much I've put myself out there, it's easier to recognize that people are coming from a perspective that maybe is not yours and that they're triggered by something. And so for me, I, like if I can reframe it and like, wow, something must be going on with them that I just poked at. You know, I just poked something for them and they want to project it onto me. And I used to not be able to think that way. I used to just let them project on me and I'd take it right. And then it would sort of fall apart. But I recognize that it's not me, it's them. And that's really true, right? Like, so we're, we're creating something for them and we're poking them in some way. And then they just want to tell us about it. And it might not have anything to do with us. It might have everything to do with us, but we can't take it personally. And I say that, and have I taken it personally? Absolutely. And does it sting? Always. It does. I mean, it doesn't feel good. And also people, you know, if you, if you can stay in your lane and stay true to yourself with what you're doing and you know why you're doing it, the stings are less because you know why you're doing it. And if they don't get it, that's okay. You don't have to get me. I don't need everyone to get me. Right. You know? And if everyone does get me, it's like, am I really being authentic? Right. You know, right. there's that kind of piece too. Right. Where then I find myself sometimes, when I was starting out especially, I would pull myself back and I would I would share less opinions and I would say have less like firm stances on, mm. you know, whatever it is, whether it's mindset or I stay out of politics because that's just, there's landmines everywhere. But yeah. I, I wouldn't share opinions as much. And now I find myself going, hey, this is who I am. Right. And this is what I believe. And mm-hmm. this is what I want to share today. And I find that the people either lean in or they lean out. Yeah. Sometimes I lean out and swing. 
And that's okay, right? (laughs) (laughs) We just have to know that there are always going to be people like that, you know? And the criticism I got in the beginning of the podcast was actually I was asking for feedback from a podcasting community. And then they criticized some stuff. And it wasn't wasn't good kind of feedback. It was actually, it wasn't constructive at all. Mm. So that made me feel really unsafe. And so it's interesting when you think you're in a safe community and you get the criticism that's not constructive, that's different. Even though like what you're talking about, that comes at us, that's just, people always say like when you get that kind of criticism from people that you're triggering, that you've made it, right? Because- Hey, that's what they say. That's what they say because it's not just a whole room of your fans, right? And it's good because you're reaching other people. Yeah, you get out of the echo chamber. Yeah, you're not in a safe place and maybe that's good. So do you, I don't know, like do you, I don't know how often you might think about that, but what do you do to, I don't know, feel safe or to to be good? Because the thing is, if you get some criticism when you start getting bigger, when you get to, you know, 200 countries and when you get to, (laughs) you know, multiple millions of downloads, like you're reaching a big number of people. What that means is your fans increase, but your criticisms increase. Right. How do you, if you were thinking about it now, Amy, how how do you deal with the concept of increasing the amount of criticism and being okay with it and knowing it's a good thing? I think it's just remembering. It's a different perspective that they're coming from. Is there something I can learn from it? You know, having some questions to ask yourself. Can I learn something from what this person is saying? Did I did I actually offend somebody? Is it something that, you know, I'm responsible for? I'm all about taking radical responsibility for ourselves and how we show up. I think it's always them. I think it's always it, them. It is. It yeah, sometimes they suck. It is. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. But it is, you know, like, am I responsible for something here? Like, kind of evaluate it mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then just notice where it comes from and then don't give it much energy if it really doesn't answer any of those questions, right? And there's nothing you can really change. It's like, I wouldn't do anything different. Then stay true to yourself. I like that. I love yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Well, Amy, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure the doing the recording part and obviously spending the whole day with you has just been phenomenal. And we only barely started. I can't I wait for the rest of it. Um, final questions. Um, looking back on your journey and everything you've done, especially the the up and down of, of, of college and the career and different careers and landing where you are now, if you could change anything, looking back in the past, what would you change or would you leave it all the same? I mean, would anyone really leave it the same? I don't know. I think I would take faster action. There's something that's a pattern for me that I think about things a lot and I worry and I do it. Should I? Shouldn't I? And I, when I look back at some of the decisions I made that took me a long time to get to, I think I would have taken faster action because I would have been here faster. You know, I think some of the same things would have happened for me uh, because I think eventually we're all going to get there, right? If I'm supposed to be a speaker, if I'm supposed to be interviewing people, it's going to happen whether it's in my podcast or somewhere else, right? If I didn't take that opportunity, another door is going to open. But I think I would take faster action. I think I would whisper to my young girl, college self, and just say, just go for it. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Faster action. (laughs) Words of wisdom. (laughs) Amy, um, you are a tremendous human being, and I'm so grateful to call you dear friend. Thanks for coming out. Everyone remember, this is Amy Schuber. You can find her at amyschuber.com. That's S-C-H-U-B-E-R. We'll be in the show notes, of course. Her podcast is inspiredconversations.net, or of course you can go onto iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff, and search for Inspired Conversations, and you will find... Like I said, some amazing interviews with Amy and her friends on there. You can follow Amy on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Amy Schuber. And Amy, thanks for being on the pod. Thanks for coming out. Remember also, of course, to subscribe, rate, review, download. It's all free. Just do it. It's amazing. 
Double check, by the way. I told you last week. Double check your uh, your podcast app if you're Apple and make sure you're still subscribed. You might see a little subscribe button. If you do, click the little purple button and resubscribe. You want to make sure you don't miss any of these really cool interviews. And as usual, I'm coming also after the weekend. We'll be doing Teaching Tuesdays where I get in and I teach some nuggets and some wisdom and some lessons. I preach at you a little bit and I share something that's good for you and your business for the week. And then Friday, every Friday, we have another interview coming your way. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend. Get out there as usual and crush it.